This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. We are so excited to introduce today's guest, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. Dr. Tracy is a clinical psychologist, couples therapist, author of the incredible new book, I Didn't Sign Up for This, which is part memoir, part self-help, and podcast host of the show, I Am Not Your Shrink. We cannot wait to chat with you today about mental load, resentment, your book, all the things. Thank you so much for coming on Shrink Chicks. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this conversation with both of you. And it's such a needed one, too. Uh, it's so wild. It's interesting. We just had this episode came out about hyper-independence, too. And a few people wrote in as like, oh, is hyper-independence has to do with mental load? And so much this relates. So let, let's step back for one second before we go into this. I have to know, you talk a lot about resentment and mental load. I'm sure lots of people follow you on Instagram. They have to follow you on your amazing Instagram. H- how did you first start talking about this subject, though? Oh, my goodness. You know, it actually stemmed from my own experience, truthfully. And that was having my second child. And of course, I felt the mental load and the default parents start to show up after having my first. But in 2015, that language wasn't used. And I think that is so important to contextualize this experience is that when I first became a mother, that was nobody was talking about that. And nobody was using the word resentment. So here I am, a clinician. I know resentment is a normal emotion. I am in my office seeing clients and I go home. I'm like, what is this? What's going on inside of me? And of course, as therapists do, we think that we shouldn't be struggling with something. We don't talk about it. We have all the skills and tools. We should be getting through (laughs) it. And it was something that just kept showing up for me. I would, you know, I would just have this frustration and anger and I didn't know what that really was until I started to understand the mental load and until I started to understand what actually resentment symbolizes. So I'll I'll start there. We, We know that resentment is a really complex emotion and it's a toxic emotion. So if we don't address it, it's going to erode your relationship. And I love reminding people that just because you feel resentment doesn't mean you're headed for the divorce papers. It means we have to listen to it because it's telling you something really important. Mm -hmm. And that's what that was for me is that, okay, something is happening. Something doesn't feel good. And I need to start speaking up to this now. And 
for many people, it's a, I like to use the iceberg analogy. So I think it really helps us understand. It's not one thing underneath it. It's multiple things, multiple feelings like unfairness, jealousy, envy. Brene Brown does a fantastic job talking about how envy is underneath resentment, anger, anxiety, fear, loss, sadness. All of that is underneath that. And I've come to understand it as two things happening. One is you're not communicating what you need. So you've got this emotion happening and you're not communicating needs. That's one possibility. Or the second one is that your needs are not being met. That doesn't necessarily mean that your partner has to meet your need, but you have got to find a way to meet that need for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I love the way you just described that. And I think it's so validating for so many people. And, you know, the the thing that was coming up for me as I was listening to you talk is that, do you think that there are certain times in which we are more susceptible to build that resentment in our relationships? It's mm, a great question. I'm trying to, what, what comes to mind clinically, so this isn't necessarily from the research, but clinically, it's when something changes and the dynamic of the relationship doesn't adjust to accommodate the change. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know that we are really good at cementing ourselves in familiar patterns that feel safe, that are known, that oftentimes don't end up helping us. And so then we're not adapting to that change. The classic one in my relationship is the overfunctioning, underfunctioning dynamic. I am an overfunctioner. And naturally, <laughs> I found myself an underfunctioner <laughs> as well. And that, I mean, that also, there's no blame in what patterns we develop. And I love to remind people these patterns are there for a really good reason. They were likely adaptive in some way growing up, right? I became the caretaker. It was easy to solve people's problems. I'm an empath. I can feel those things, right? And so here I am excited to be in this partnership with my now husband back then. You know, I'm, I'm at the grocery store. I'm in the deodorant aisle. I'm like, it'd be nice for him to have deodorant at my place. I'll pick him up some deodorant. And then I became the deodorant purchaser. And then I became the grocery store purchaser. And then I'm managing the nap schedules with my first and second child. And then he's saying, I can't find the ketchup. Where's the ketchup? And then it's the, does he need to go for a nap? Is it now? Or then, you know, and my husband knows me tells these stories. I have his full permission. But, you know, then he's outside mowing the lawn and I'm rocking the baby like, where? where did he go? Like, it's nap time. I'm managing the nap and he's outside mowing the lawn. And so it's these changes that show up in our relationship that we don't often prepare ourselves for, prepare our relationship for. And then we don't know how to accommodate to those changes. Mm. Well, I had this like really sting memory of uh, when my daughter was born and my husband's going to work, right? And so and when you talk about this idea of envy, I had such envy that I felt like nothing really changed for him. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's still going to, this is before COVID. So there was no, we didn't have any work from home or anything, right? Like it, my husband had no paternity leave. He was back in the office. She was two years old. I was, I mean, two days old. I'm by myself. And he's just going to work and then coming back, telling me about going out to lunch with his friends. Having hot coffee. <laughs> and, and you're like, coffee. <laughs> I'm like, why am I covered in puke and naked? Like, what is happening? Right. And, and there was so much anger mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. that I did nothing about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that I just was like, I just shove that shit all the way down as deep as I possibly could. <laughs> and then why do I want to divorce you two years later? I mean, it, but it's this interesting thing of people's like this fear of if we talk about it, mm-hmm. then we're going to get divorced. Or if we talk about it, then it's going to make it worse. What do you think that's about? Why do you think we're so scared to talk about this? You know, it's so interesting being on the heels of my book, Being Out in the World. So you know that I share the stories of four couples in my book. And the fifth story is my story. And I knew my story had to be in the book because how do I write about the mental load, about resentment, about patterns in our relationships, as if to say, I don't have these same struggles. And I really wanted to show up as human in there. And I think what we're doing as therapists today is we're changing that narrative in the sense that your therapist is this complete blank slate. You know nothing about them. Um, but instead we're using self-disclosures wisely. We're also opening the door to the general public to say, Hey, you know what? Those experts, they're normal. They're human too. And, and I think what's behind that is to say nobody gets away 
from the pain and struggle we experience in life. Nobody is immune to that. And so, you know, opening up that story within myself to share my own story in there around resentment, around my life changing and his not, it, it just needed to be told. So now the book's out. The irony is going to the school drop-off and pickup, where I know some of the parents follow me, but I don't know them close enough for them to be like, you're doing amazing things. We loved your story, right? There's this sense of like, oh no, what do they think? They know my story. They know me, right? And, and it's this, it's the fear of judgment. It's the fear of embarrassment. It's the fear of rejection. That if I go to the playground park and I say, you know, Last last night was just one of those nights I was so angry with my husband. And there are these moments where it's like we're so far apart. If we go to the park at that moment, and if someone else meets us there with the like, oh, yeah, then we just have put ourselves in the space of feeling possible rejection or feeling like there's something wrong and defective about us. And and, and I know that goes with saying, because I hear the other side of like, well, you, you should protect your marriage. Yes, you should. You should protect the union as long as it's healthy and there's no abuse, right? And there's abuse, you speak out. But but yes, your secrets need to stay with you. You you don't um you don't put down and vilify and you know, make the other person look bad. But there is a sense of weeness when we can say to a friend, this is really hard. This is a really hard season. I feel so alone in this and I don't know what to do. Because as soon as we feel alone in something, that's when shame shows up and that's where we get stuck even more. Yes. And like the there's such vulnerability in that to be able to show up very authentically in your relationships to be able to say mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is really hard. You know, I went to a party the other weekend and everyone was like, hey, like, how's it going? And I decided, <laughs> you know, instead of just being like, oh, I'm doing well. How are you? I was like, you know, I'm like not doing so great, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not I'm not dumping. I'm not. But I think there is such vulnerability and such such space to be able to open up vulnerability in those conversations when mm-hmm. we are really honest about what's going on. And understandably so, you know, in your book and talking about some of those struggles where people are reading it, but and they might be able to see that for you, but you're not having the one-on-one conversation that's understandable that that could, could bring up you know, some difficulty in those relationships because it it ends up being so one-sided in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yet what we know is our healing comes through stories. Yes. Telling stories to others, having others witness that vulnerability. And there's also this sense of, I think there's two really important things in here. One is we're not personalizing things, right? If someone tells me something, it's not about me. This mm. is about their stuff and what they're going through. And we can practice witnessing that, right? Having that self-other space. But then, gosh, the other piece of just not being alone in this. We feel, I, we, you know, it's so fascinating to be in this time. And it makes me think about people who are 20 and who haven't lived without social media. But there's, you know, this this period right now where we feel more alone than we ever had. And yet we are more connected than we've ever been. That's scary. Yeah, it is. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? <laughs> it's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. 
Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash shrinkchicks. We just had uh, an episode of somebody um, talking about like media addiction and how, how addicted to phones we are yeah. because this gives us this false sense of connection, right? So I look at you and I look at your feed and I think that I'm connected to you or or I post or you comment back and reply to my story or freaking like it or whatever. And um, it's like, oh, we had this relationship. But then at night when things are bad, would you actually reach out to that person? Mm. Would you actually call them? Do we have real real connection and it's such a scary thing and i think it's a really scary thing i mean especially as you know as moms talk about like i don't want that for my kid no <laughs> no i think that what dr vanessa lapointe said on my podcast is that the uh, internet social media gives us this short fast acting dopamine hits but it doesn't give us the soul filling connection that gives us the longer lasting feeling. And it's mm -hmm. so true. I could do podcasting all day with people and have these like fill me up conversations. Yeah. And then when I go home, it's still, although I'm face to face with both of you, it's still that sense of like, oh, don't get the feeling of you in front of me. Yes. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's quite challenging. And then also what we're seeing in our partnerships that's contributing to resentment and to the mental load issues is how much are we on our phones? Yes. I mean, how many couples, every couple you work with now brings it up. Mm -hmm. Every yeah. couple brings it up at night. I try to get in bed with you and you're on your phone. And then there's one partner says, but that's my time to decompress. And that's what I do to decompress. Like, well, I'm lonely. Right? Like, when we hear this story all week long now. And Emily, I remember, I, I, I remember the moment the iPad came into our bed. My husband got it and he won it at like a golf tournament, like, which is so cool, right? Oh, it's amazing. He won the iPad. And then it's like side eye in bed. And, right. you know, and then he's falling asleep with his like heavy iPad, but like yes. flopping all over it's like the, the bed. like the third, third person in <laughs> the it's bed. The yeah, you guys totally, are cuddle, right. cuddling the iPad. But it's the mistress <laughs> in the bed, right? It's like this thing of like, yeah. wait, why am I fighting with this other thing? And the disconnection is mm. just so bad, right? And disconnection is going to lead towards yes. resentment, towards anger, towards all these right. things we're talking about. Um, we have a lot of listener questions Ooh, for you. Are I you ready listener, for that? I love listener questions. Okay, okay, great. All right. What are your thoughts? We, so we talked about this a little bit before. What are your thoughts about hyper-independence and carrying the mental load? Do you think they're related? Uh, yes, I think they're related. Um, so hyper-independence goes into that sense of 
I've got this. I can do this on my own. I do it better. Um, if I lean on you, you're not going to be there for me anyways, right? So if we have these narratives and the stories we tell ourselves, then we are going to be more likely to keep all of this stuff on us. Mm-hmm. L- listen, it takes a lot of risk to say to your partner, this isn't working for me anymore. Or to even say, we need to find a standard. You know, Eve Rotsky does a great job talking about the minimum standard of care. That definition for me working with couples in the therapy room has been huge to have. And also in my Mm -hmm. own marriage, like what's our minimum standard of care? It's not going to work to send our kids on pink shirt day in the wrong colored shirt because they're going to feel excluded. So if you are on school duty, that's Greg, my husband's, that's his stuff. You got to do pink shirt day too, right? And so you talk about minimum standard of care. But if you can't lean on the other person and believe that they're there with you doing it, then you're going to continue to hold on to the mental load. Mm -hmm. And that also will build more resentment. And so we've got to kind of find this balance of, well, and you both know this, right? Oh, I have to tell you this. 22, 21-year-old Tracy enters into her thesis supervisor's office. She's finishing her undergrad. He is this like 6'3", 65-year-old man, white hair. Like every time I go in there, he's giving me a new research paper. Here, attachment, here, couples, <laughs> relationships, attachment, attachment. And I come in, say, I've got it. I have it. I'm I'm secure. I'm independent, right? I'm like, Whoa! 21, I've evolved. And he's like, Tracy, independence is fine interdependence is better i remember leaving being like okay sure (laughs) so now i have to go find a partner um but you know it's just that piece around yeah i get it society teaches women especially be independent you know do the thing rely on yourself you don't need anybody and while on one hand that's important to be autonomous on the other hand we have to lean on the other person it's not possible to hold all of this on Mm -hmm. your own oh yeah I would the tit for tat mentality. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, good for tat mentality. Um, in what sense? Like, is that is that part of the hyperdependence? How to switch out of the tit for tat oh. mentality? So hard to appreciate oh. anything my partner does because I do so much more. Oh. Keep it score, baby. Okay, so <laughs> fairness. I grew up in a family of fairness, and I know fairness very well. And also, as children, we learn fairness very early on. It's so fascinating to watch my children grow and evolve. Um, and the first thing that happens is, well, that's not fair. Why, why does she get to have three jelly beans and I only get two? Like, well, if you would like to have another one, go ahead. You can ask for another one, right? Like, we're very much doing this, like, when you have a why does she and you're pointing outwards, you got to point that back inwards to ask yourself, what do I need? So if you're keeping score, then that likely means you haven't balanced enough or that you need to reassess what your needs are. There's something else that you're needing. Um, but listen, you don't go for equal in your relationship. You have to go for what feels fair. It's never going to be 50-50. That's just the way it is. But when someone says that, that to me says you're holding too much of the mental load and you need to offload a bit more. You need to renegotiate around some of those tasks. Yes. And maybe read fair play. <laughs> All, and, and read fair play. Or better yet, if you're in a hetero relationship with your man or get your other partner, to read the book first. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, it it perfectly uh, transitions into our next question. How would you describe or explain the mental load to your partner? Oh, you know, I'm I'm thinking about Zach Watson. He's on my podcast. He's fantastic, providing a male perspective, a heterosexual male perspective on the mental load. And then my husband and I have had many of these conversations as well. Okay. How do we explain it? So it's not, and then I think of how Eve Roski explains it too, because it's not just like who thinks they go get the groceries. It's like, how do you know what type of mustard needs to be in the fridge? She's mm-hmm. fantastic at describing that story. Um, the mental load is not just about understanding the task to complete it, but the mental load is about understanding all of the cognitive labor, all of the thoughts 
all of the planning that goes into the actual execution of the task. And again, I think that's very much a fair play, Eve Brodsky type definition for what the mental load is. And then, and defining it as the cognitive labor that is either visible and invisible in the home. And so I, I just, I remember one time trying to describe it to my husband. This is a journey for us as well, right? <laughs> remember, it wasn't there when we first um, got married or had our first child. Um, I remember saying something like, well, I'm the one thinking about our niece's birthday and planning to get their gifts. And his reply was like, well, no, I, I go and pick up the gifts too. I'm like, right. But do you know what size she is? Do you know her favorite color? Do you know that last year we got her that Lego set? So this year it's not going to be that Lego set. And have you planned it ahead of time in order to send it out? Cause she's on the West coast in time. So she gets it and you've given the card. So that to me is what makes up the mental load. Mm -hmm. In my uh, marriage, it is a cleaning out um, the clothes for the next season. Mm. I said to my husband, I'm like, you've never once cleaned out the clothes. Right. And so what do you think he would say in typical male fashion? Well, if it doesn't fit, I don't put it on her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but then I used to dig through all the clothes and then it's a mess. You're finding the right sizes. We Uh got to do this. And Uh so this amazing thing happens in 2020, which is my husband um, rage quit his job, um, (laughs) which was frankly a long time coming. But we basically were like, listen, quit it. This isn't working for us anymore as a family. We will be fine without it. Whatever. So my husband has this day where he is trying to cook something and he can't find anything in the spices cabinet. Now, when we moved into our house, I was uh, eight months pregnant and I basically just shoved everything away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is something we're going to deal with later. <laughs> this is not a now problem. And he's looking for something to cook and he can't find it. And I came home and he said, I get it now. Ooh. I couldn't find a single thing. It was so frustrating. I had to take every single thing out of the cabinets. And now I get it. Now I understand why the organization matters. Yeah. And then two weeks later, he stood up at Thanksgiving uh, dinner and he said to my uh, sister-in-law, who's a stay-at-home mom, I just want to say that I would never do this again. And God bless you. (laughs) And he quickly went back to work. But um, (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah, so, okay. So that also is part of the problem around the mental load is that oftentimes when we try to renegotiate tasks, we give off the execution of something. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because in our marriage, we've had both roles. So I have been the one where I grocery, I meal planned, I grocery shopped, I knew where everything was, I knew how much of what we had left. And then I would meal plan, maybe sometimes my husband would make the meal as well. Um, So we would trade off making meals. And then we had a big switch in our our dynamic. He's at home and I was trying to do the grocery shopping while he was trying to make the meals. And that just didn't work because I was like, I don't, I don't know what's in the fridge. I don't, are we out of broccoli? How many heads do we have left? And, you know, yogurt, what's the level of yogurt? So that didn't work. So I gave it all to him. And he's got the grocery shopping and meal making. Sometimes, you know, food ruts happen. So we pitch in around making, deciding what we're going to make that week and make a plan. If we're like on our game, that doesn't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so then the other thing we're starting to do is once a week, I will make a dinner, but it is the most frustrating experience. And I, I share this because I, I imagine many of your listeners are women. Yes. I yes. share this from my female perspective because I know sometimes we get frustrated at our partners for not finding the things, but I'm in that role now. I find myself getting frustrated when I'm making a meal. Like, where is this? I thought we had this. Why don't we have this? And like, so I get frustrated because that's not my task anymore, like task. Mm. So it really is interesting when we start playing with the conceptualization, planning and execution of tasks and seeing that, you know, there are a lot of pieces that go into each task. And and oftentimes, you know, I always like to remind people of this. It, it's not malicious. It's not that Mm-mm. they don't necessarily want to. It's that we, for women especially, have been conditioned to do all of this. Yeah. Well, and one of the things we say in our marriage is blame the system, not the person. Yes. We just haven't figured out the right system. You have to, or you have to rejig your system. Yep. Yes. And mm-hmm. so we have to keep working. And that's about working together as a team. I am 
thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you're you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. When you do carry on these very specific tasks, there's also something about it that allows you to be like very invested in those things and like have more control. We were having this conversation earlier, but when you don't have that task and you're so separated from it, right? It's, it's harder to kind of know where the spices are or, Mm -hmm. and so there is this level of like being very connected to things when you are taking all of those things on, feel like you have a little bit more control over them. That I think also is at the same time hard to give up. Yeah, I, I know people really struggle to hand things over yes. and to give give things up, and and that does take. And I want I rem- want to remind people that when you do that, we have to check ourselves of how we're showing up. It's not going to be done the same way, nor does it need to be. It doesn't need to be done the same way as long as something is done. And then also to remembering that we always have choices afterwards. So if you don't do, if your partner doesn't, so that let's, we talk, I talked about lunches once on, on Instagram and people had a really hard time with stepping back from making the kids lunch. Well, what if the kids lunch isn't made in the morning? What if he wakes up and he's grumpy and upset? And it's like, yeah, and he still has to make the lunch if that's his task. Because what we do is we come in and we rescue. And every time we come in and we rescue our partner, they do not learn. I, I, I've shared this before, and I know the wording has kind of hit some people where I've said, let your partner fail. This doesn't mean I'm, you know, sitting in the corner on my phone being like, <laughs> he's failing, right? Finally, he knows what it's like. Like that, that's not, it's not supposed to be malicious. It's the, you know, see if he can do the task and then problem solve after. Have empathy for your partner. Yeah, I know. I get it. Making lunches is so hard. The kids are complaining again that you made ham sandwiches. I 100% get that. Is there something that I can do to support you? Or what system do you need to put in place? Right? Again, this is not you taking everything back on because they can't do it. You have to allow them to learn up to where you are. And that takes practice. Uh, Harriet Lerner uses the expression hanging in, which I absolutely love, right? Change does not happen overnight. You got to hang in. Okay. So here's another good one. You ready for it? 
I love these questions. Yeah, they're really, people are amazing. I'm obsessed with listener questions. Okay. Why do I feel guilty around asking to share the mental load? That's two. There's two in there. So one is I'd be curious what your partner's response is. So if they are upset about it, you're taking on their feelings and that's leading you to feel guilty. It's not actually that you're doing anything bad. Let's just be clear about that. Talking to your partner about this, this is a we problem. You and I have already like we've said this is a system. You are working in a system together. So if they're upset about it, that is you practicing validation, separation, depersonalizing it, like giving it back to them, right? You've got your glass wall up. You can see them empathize. So I think that would be one piece. I think the other piece is really deep in our conditioning around what it means to be a woman and how much we are taught to be small, to not ask for what we need, don't inconvenience other people, be the caregiver, be the good girl. And that really, I think, triggers this guilt that when we are asking for something to change, um, it doesn't feel good, hard. Yeah. And then I also like to ask people, what did you see growing up? Who who played what role? And what's it like for you to be different? And also ask yourself, what do I want to take forward? You don't have to do the same thing your parents did just because and, and of course too, then also too, when you know you have the older generation saying, Are you looking after him? Are you feeding him enough? Right. And it's like, that's not my job. That's his job. I, I gotta tell this story. Yeah. So uh, I love stories. So Jen and I recently moved office spaces. We have a great company called Therapy Group. Yeah. About forty-five clinicians, best people in the fucking world. Okay. So we move this. We have been spending the past seven months redoing this building. It was this massive undertaking, and we finally, finally come to the day that the movers are coming. We're doing the move <laughs> by uh, chance. The the three humans that the four humans that showed up to do this move were the four most unhappy humans I've met in my entire life to be doing this move. Um, they were pissed to be there. They you would have thought that we duped these people and tricked them into this move, although it was for cupcakes. Oh, we're moving. That that is what not that we like paid a professional moving company. Like you would have thought we duped these people. They were you know very pissed that we had an upstairs to our new building, even though it like said on the thing. And so we noticed this thing. So it's the four male movers and then me jen our amazing head of operations nikki and then our amazing um another amazing staff member kate and we noticed this really interesting thing started happening which is the angrier they got the more we started trying to take care of them i'm offering them water i'm offering them snacks all of a sudden we're walking now we moved 500 we moved down the street 500 feet across the street we're walking over we're moving stuff and so finally we were all like i was like we gotta like take a break here and we started this conversation we're like oh we're all taking we're all so uncomfortable with how Ooh. upset they are right now we're taking care of them in the sense that they are supposed to be taking care of you by yes. moving these things but the yes. dynamic that showed up but and it was we so, so automatic it oh, just so automatic was so yeah. automatic and i think you know a part of us and this i you know, I think a lot of women in their relationships feel this too. Like this just has to get done, right? Mm-hmm. It has to get done. And so I'm just going to do it. And I think that that so easily throws your relationships in, a, in this situation into an over-functioner, under-functioner piece. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was a lot of what was coming up for us was, well, this just has to happen, right? Like they can keep complaining, but like this has to get done. And so I also, instead of having the conversation with them of, hey, like, I know this is hard, but like, we need to make sure that we get these things done or we need, instead of just having this open uh, conversation with them, we started over-functioning. We started Mm. just picking up that role. And it, I I think it's, it's so automatic to just take it on yourself, um, instead of, feeling like you have space to speak up and say like, hey, you know, we hired you for this. You know, in our minds, we were like, oh, we hired them. Like, this is going to be an easy day. Like, we won't have to do much. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm so confused, though, in terms of like the terms of contract, like you, you're moving. Yeah, yeah that's this what was you signed up this, for. This was a weird situation in it general. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, <laughs> this is, I don't know if this is a normal situation, but the interesting thing <laughs> that like, came from it. I did was, sign up for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> so you're like this. You're exactly. like, I did sign up for that. <laughs> I'm like, am I paying myself now? Like, what are we paying for? Because I'm moving oh, across the street. Right. We're, we're right. hauling desks up. It. But it was so interesting that all these levels started happening, which is one, we were uncomfortable with their big feelings. 
Two, mm. we were um, like, this just has to get done. We just have to do it. We go into hyperdrive. And then three, which is we avoided the conversation with them. Right. That, that, so that's the other piece. This is what I see commonly in relationships is when, especially when I'm working with an individual and I'll say, so how did that conversation go? Did you talk about it with them? Uh, yeah, I brought it up. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of, right? It was like a door handle conversation. She's at the door telling him something, right? Or it's the like, yeah, I tried to have a conversation and he got mad. And so it's this idea that that one conversation marks the entire thing. And I'm not going to go back and talk about it. And I'm not going to bring it up again. And I'm not, right? And, and it's this this reminder that when it comes to expressing our needs, when it comes to creating change in our relationships, this is not a one-time conversation. You didn't get here by just one one move or one step. It is the, let's sit down again. Let's tweak. Let's revisit. How's our system going? How's our system in our relationship going? And we really discredit or discount rather how a relationship operates, which is the most important team that you're running. And a team needs you to sit down and check in with each other, talk about how things are going, what's working, what's not. I love how you're kind of expressing that, that this is a process that happens over time and you work together to figure it out and you work together Mm -hmm. to communicate about it. Because I think it's true is when you're someone who's so used to taking things on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And um, maybe you have that hyper-independence, maybe you're used to that. And when you reach out for help, or you reach out to say, here are my needs, and that person doesn't respond in a holding way, that it's so easy to retreat back into yourself and say, well, I never should have asked. See, like I, right. I was right. I never should have asked. Right. But because it's it's such a brave experience to do something that is so so uncomfortable for you, but is for the better of the relationship and then the better of your mental health too. So, so yeah, just the idea that it is a process and to not turn back into yourself and say, well, I tried, I can never do that again, because I can imagine the amount of resentment that continues to build off of that. To not turn into yourself or to not turn on them. Mm. I love stories. So I have another story. Yes. And the the thing I have accepted about the mental load and about being in partnership with my partner is that that we're we're gonna do these things for the next how many years? And it's about just kind of like, okay, there's a little bit of tension. We work through it. It's normal and healthy. We are on the same page. We know we're we're in a season together. We've got young kids. There's a lot of demands. Our basement flooded this summer. We're just lots of busy things, right? So so anytime we find these like new, I call them like growth edges, it has to be met with compassion, understanding with empathy. We were at a face wash and I had been opening, you know, as I do, I open the lid and then I'm like scraping from the bottom, <laughs> washing my face in the shower. I noticed the other one that I think he was using is empty. So I'm like, okay, I left it there. Okay. No, I wasn't trying to be passive aggressive, but I left that one there. So I'm still scraping at the bottom. And obviously, we're both in the shower every single day. And neither one of us has bought face wash. Now, it's not really any of our tasks. So then the next one day, I go to the shower, and I'm thrilled to see that he has bought face wash. So I go over to look at it. And it says, men's face wash. So I was like, interesting. Okay. So I expressed to him, I was like, oh, I know she bought face wash. Like, oh, I know it was an impulse buy. It was a little bit of an expensive one. I'm like, actually, that's not what I noticed. I noticed that you bought men's face wash. And I went to him being very much like, okay, I'm going to talk about this because I think this is a really curious experience for us right now of what happened. And he's like, yeah, I bought the face wash. Oh, it was impulse last minute. I said, yeah, but what's interesting is you really held you in mind and your context, but you didn't do the we. So it was great that you bought yourself face wash, but where's mine? And so you knew we were empty, but you didn't hold the relational, the self-other, the whole picture in here of like, hmm, where's my partner right now? What context are they living in? What's going on in their world? Mm -hmm. And it was just really interesting to see that I know women are trained relationally. Like we're taught to be relational, look outward, look to others, care for people, bring them in, gather, nurture, right? And then men often are taught in the individualistic, right? Look after the self. And there's nothing wrong that we ha- we did. We showed up with these conditioned parts of us, but we were then able to say, look at how we could do this differently next time. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. So I have a final question. 
Somebody wrote in uh, about a, a recent Instagram post that you had. Oh. Uh, they said that, um, can you tell us more about the idea you posted about, which is the things that once attracted you to your partner oh. might be the biggest sorts of resentment today? This is so, such an interesting experience. I remember learning this actually in my PhD. And I'll never forget my supervisor sharing this. And then just how I can witness it in couples ever since. I always start out by saying, what attracted you to each other? And let's say he says, oh, she, you know, made decisions so easily. She was a natural leader. I just love that about her. And then what attracted you to him? He was so easygoing. I loved how we could get together and connect. Okay. Then we, you know, flow through my questions in the interview and get to what's the problem today. She's so bossy. She's always telling me what to do. And then she will say, he never makes a decision. It's always on me. I always... <laughs> It happens so, all the time. Constantly. Right. right. So I mean, we can talk about this on a lot of different levels, but we, we do seek partners that uh, actually I'll, I'll share this as well. Um, I was working through um, one of a, an issue with a client and how her partner was always so out there and doing lots of things. And, you know, and that was stirring up resentment for her. And again, we were tapping into envy for her because she had shut this part down of her. When she got into a relationship with him, she made herself small and she stopped being that person. And so that was a really interesting discovery too. So we we have reactions to things that are mirrors for us that are reflecting something back. So, you know, I do believe that we choose partners that maybe they have something that we're missing and maybe we resent them because they have it and we don't. We get angry at it because they have it, we don't. Or because that part of them has then bumped up against something within us that we struggle with. So why don't you make more decisions, right? Like if you just made more decisions, we wouldn't have this issue, but you chose someone who actually never made those decisions mm -hmm. before. Ooh, what do you think? What, what, what do both of you think about that? No, it's so true. My, my partner had this thing. So one of the things I thought was super hot about him back in college and he would like do not work all week long, like just party and have fun. And then like the week before something was due, he'd stay up like all night doing it and still get an A. Like my husband's incredibly intelligent. And I was like, oh, that's so cool, right? Like we could like have all this fun. And now as an adult, he'll stay up until three in the morning working on a project. <laughs> and I got a kid in my bed by five. And I'm like, this actually sucks. This thing I thought was super cool and awesome doesn't really work when you have a child. But in college, it was great. <laughs> Does he do Christmas or holiday shopping right before? Like, does he leave last minute? Everything. Everything. <laughs> this is who we are. Where I'm like, let me get that done three months early. But in college, I was such a control freak. I thought it was so cool because he was so different yeah. than me. Right. He but felt look, so he much more free. did that back to you, something that you yeah. didn't have. And yep. now, because of that control part of you, that works for you, right? It gets you to do all these totally. cool things, right? But then he can just like go sit on the couch and not think about what's going to happen <laughs> tomorrow. And you're like, I wish I could sit on the couch and not think yes. about what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And I'm I'm very much the opposite in my relationship. <laughs> like when my when I first started dating my husband, he would be like, okay, like let's go here and uh, I'll meet you at like seven o'clock. I was like, cool. I don't have to make a decision. Like this is wonderful. Mm. And now he very much is thinking about things. I honestly think he is the one that carries the mental load in our yeah, relationship. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he um, totally does. Like he's the one who like before bed is rattling off all of the anxieties and things we have to remember. So he very much carries the mental load in our relationship. But yeah, now and I would say I take more of a laid back role. But there's also a part of me that can really appreciate that in him that he does remember all of those things and he takes care of all of those things and, you know, can hold me to a different standard because there also is something that I really envy in someone who can make decisions that quickly, oh. right? Who is able, right? And so this is why my relationship with Emily works <laughs> so well is because we really balance each other out in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. And so there mm -hmm. is a beautiful balance that I think that you can achieve you know, as long as you're able to communicate through it and in order yeah. and you have to be able to have these conversations in uh -huh. order to get to that point. And I think that that's, you know, in these dynamics, sometimes where we fall short is really talking through a lot of these things.
and building our perceptions and assumptions about the other person, right? We hold that so tightly that we think we know what's going to happen or we assume why they've done something or why they said something. Our minds are so powerful and they really trip us up when it comes to connection and working through hard conversations. Absolutely. So Dr. Tracy, as you know, on this show, with every guest we have, we play a segment called Calling Bullshit. And we ask you to call some type of BS in your field, your topic of choice, whatever you want. What is the bullshit you want to call today? The expression, don't go to bed angry. <laughs> yes. I see that one showing up. I'm trying to educate. Who <laughs> I see came that up with that? Oh, my goodness. Um, it's probably one million years ago. Yeah, yeah it, it's actually, I think it's biblical. It's actually um, oh, I'm yeah, it more sense. based in, in religion. Um And, you know, I want to challenge people that I get it. And, you know, that has been, I think it was even said at our wedding as well. You know, someone passes that down all the time. And what I think is so important to rephrase that too, is it's not that you need to resolve everything. Because here's the thing, when your emotions are high, when you're dysregulated, you can't make sense of things. One person's flooded, the other one's trying to be heard and understood. And oftentimes you're fighting to be right, right? Let's just resolve this. See it my way. No, see it my way. It's at that point where you shift out of the problem. You put it in a box, you put it on your shelf, or, you know, you put it in the kitchen counter and you say, we know we'll come back to this. Let's connect. Let's give each other a hug because we love each other and we're in this together. And that is what you do going to bed. Not about resolving this, right? So the emotion of anger is not a bad thing, but it's that we want to focus on feeling connected in some way and then moving forward. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Love that. We love that. We debunk that all the time. Yeah. It's such a good one and so important for people to remember. Yeah. I I saw like uh, you know like those like uh, home goods signs right I saw one that said don't go to or always kiss me to n- good night and don't go to bed angry and I was mm. like oh I turned it backwards in the store <laughs> yeah good job so that was my passive good job <laughs> good job Em you got home goods <laughs> I sh- I showed them, you really showed I? home yeah. goods yeah. Well, I also do like you know honoring that if I if I'm having such hard feelings tonight that I can't give you a kiss. I want you to know we're in this together. I love you. I know we'll get through this. I'm going to honor where I am right now. But for us to trust that this doesn't mean we're making or breaking anything. It just means that like, you know, stuff is hard. I need to sleep and sleep helps everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Truly. I'm going to, I'm going to find that sign and I'm going to buy it. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. I love. Dr. Tracy, we can't thank you enough for being here today. Where can people um, mm-hmm. buy? I didn't sign up for this. Where can they listen to I'm Not Your Shrink? Where can they find you? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the best place, I'm on Instagram. Send me a DM. Please let me know what stood out for you from today. I love having those DMs come to me. So please do that. Um, you can, and that's Dr. Tracy D. Website is drtracyd.com. And all of the links and details are there. And then all the links to my podcast are there as well. So that's the best place. But I have Perfect. lots of free resources that you can check out. And then my book, I didn't sign up for this. Grab it. You'll enjoy the stories of how couples built interdependence. It's incredible. We were lucky to get to read it as well. You have to purchase this book. We can't thank you enough for listening to today's episode. We always ask you to rate, review, subscribe, follow an Apple podcast, listen wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us at Shrink Chicks or The Therapy Group. If you're looking to connect with a clinician, we would love to hook you up with that. Check us out, thetherapygroup.com. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 